0: We're going to be in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, and uh, the title of tonight's message, the title uh, that we're going to talk through tonight, the title of the message is uh, Big Reputation. Big Reputation is the title, so if you're taking notes, uh, and I know what a lot of you guys are thinking already, Big Reputation, really, stealing from Taylor Swift, wow, you're so unoriginal and awesome. Let me just like lay the record straight, This is <laughs> I'm not ripping off Taylor Swift, I don't care about Taylor Swift, I don't even like Taylor Swift, so... No, nah, I'm just kidding. Hit it, Trace. Hey! Ooh, you were all we thinking it, so why not? Come on. Come on, Come on, y'all. Come on. big, enemies. big, uh, big Yeah. Ooh, Okay, thank you for indulging me on that one. I totally ripped Taylor Swift on this one. We shared a moment. Thank you guys for that. Matthew chapter 16, did you find it? Are you there? Starting in verse 13, here we go. Here we go. Hannah's distracting Trace right now. Hey, can we throw the scripture on the screen? Matthew chapter 16 says this, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he, was, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus said back to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Flesh hasn't revealed this to you, but um, God has. Um, Do you play basketball? Anyone play basketball? Anyone like basketball in this room? Anyone actually play basketball Like on an organized sport team? Um, I I did not grow up playing basketball. I was not a a basketball guy. Um, In fact, the most traumatic event of my life was at a basketball tryout in seventh grade. Uh, I know it may be shocking to you, this may be surprising, but I haven't always been this tall or handsome or slim or just freakishly athletic. This hasn't always been the case. It is today. This hasn't always been the case. In fact, some might say in seventh grade, I was the shape of a basketball. Like, let me just give you a picture there. That's how I was. And so in seventh grade, that was the first year that we could play school sports. And so all the guys, especially in that time, all the guys wanted to play basketball. And so we tried out Uh, for basketball and uh, we were super excited and like we were all seventh graders so we were all bad and so like I love you middle schoolers but um, the truth is is I wasn't that great but we were all pretty terrible and so uh, it it came the day when coach was going to post the teams on the whiteboard after school like we're all pumped all the seventh grade dudes tried out super pumped jazz so school bell rings and we go out to uh, the gym to see who made the teams now I didn't even check There, there were four teams at the, in seventh grade, four basketball teams, there was the A team, there was the B team, there was the C team, and then there was the rotator squad. Now let me tell you about the rotator squad. The rotator squad were all the people who were not good enough to make any of the teams, but you still practiced all the time and only filled in for the lower- level teams if someone got hurt. That was the rotator squad. So there were four teams, A, B, C team, and then rotator squad. So um, School gets out, all the dudes, we we run to the gym, check out the whiteboard, see who made the teams. I didn't even check out the A team. I didn't even care. I'm not going to make that waste of my time, Yao Ming, okay? So I'm going to go to B team. I was like, you know what, maybe I squeaked onto it. Maybe I'm on it. If anything, I just want to see who made the B team. So I go check out the B team. I look at it. Um, I didn't make it. I didn't make the B team. And so I think, you know, it's okay. It's okay. C teams, I didn't grow up playing basketball, so C, C team is reasonable. So I went over to the C-team board, looked it up. I looked at it. I wasn't on C-team either. Uh, So at this point, I'm pretty shook. I'm pretty shook at this point. And uh, I think, you know what? It's okay. Braden, you didn't grow up playing this. You grew up in the suburbs. You're not a b-ball guy. But guess what? C-team is respectable. I already say C-team? Rotator squad is still respectable, and you can work your way up to C-team. So I swallow my pride, and I go over to the rotator squad board. Guys, I didn't even make the rotator squad. (laughs) I didn't make the rotator squad. And uh, at this point in my life, big, round, insecure brain, like uh, my world kind of crashed around me at that moment. First and foremost, because I didn't make any of the teams. Second, my my world kind of crashed around me because only two people out of all of the seventh grade guys did not make the basketball team. There was a guy named Josh who didn't make it. He didn't make it because he didn't show up and then there was me who didn't make it. So can you imagine how insecure I was at this point? And then not only that, seventh grade, big boned Brayden was really insecure because not only did I not make the team, not only did I was like, like the only one who did make the team, but now everyone knew that I didn't make any team. And so my world kind of came crashing down around me, right? Super insecure, seventh grade. Big Bone did Braden. He didn't make the team, and I became really insecure. And I don't know if you've ever felt this, but like if you've ever been insecure about your life before, it feels like people are, like talking about you all the time. So I'd walk into the cafeteria and feel like people are like, "Oh, did you hear about Braden?" <laughs> like, what are you saying about me? Like walking into a classroom. Oh, do you see that Braden? <laughs> it's like, why is everyone talking about me? And in seventh grade. Because of a basketball team, I became obsessed and consumed with what other people were saying about me. What were other people saying? Is all that consumed my thought? What were other people talking about me like? What were other people saying about me? What's interesting is that Matthew chapter sixteen, Jesus is asking the same question: What are other people saying about me? Like, that's crazy. Jesus is asking, what do other people think about me? Jesus, walk on water, Jesus. Like, heal the sick, Jesus. um, Like, raise people from the dead, Jesus, is asking, hey, what are other people saying about me? Like, do you think Beyonce, the greatest singer of all time, do you think she's going to bed, I wonder what people are thinking about me? Do you think she's doing that? She's not going to bed caring if you think she can sing or not. The greatest basketball player of all time, LeBron James, okay? LeBron James, LA LeBron James, someone Lakers this year? Let's go, championship ring, no one. Basketball fans, huh? Okay, this is great, it's good. good night. But LeBron James, do you think he cares about your opinion of whether he can play basketball or not? No, he goes to sleep every night thinking, I'm the greatest basketball player in the world. Then he wakes up thinking, I'm the greatest basketball player in the world. He does not care what you think about him. Yet Jesus is asking the question, What do people say about me? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think Jesus has ever questioned his entire existence based on what someone said about him. Jesus is not shaking in his identifying boots about who he is. Oh, no, someone said something about me. I don't know who I am. That's not who Jesus is. But he is considering what other people are saying about him. There are some of us in this room that are so consumed with what other people think about us. Because I don't want you to be consumed with what people think about you, but we'll talk about it here in a bit. I do want you to consider other people's perspective of you. You see, Jesus, Jesus was able to create a big following because he had a big reputation. Jesus was able to create a big following because he had a big reputation. You want to know how I know? How, did Jesus, how do we know that Jesus had a big reputation? Because we're still talking about him 2,000 years later. We're still singing songs about Jesus 2,000 years after he died. Jesus had what you might call a big reputation because he knew that if he had a big reputation, he'd have a big following. So the question I have tonight is how do you build a big reputation? How do you build a healthy, big reputation that reflects Jesus? And I think it, it comes down to what are we building our reputation on? The first thing I want you to look at is what they say what they say. And you know who like they are, right? They're like the hate of the outside people. What do they say? So Jesus asks in this, he says, Jesus asks, what do they say? And his disciple answered, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophet, prophets. You see, what they say is all about perception. It's all about opinions. It's all about things that are changing. What they say is always changing. And like, you can tell because they go through this list of like they don't know who you are. All these outside people, they don't know. They think you're John the Baptist or a bunch of different pro- prophets. They they don't know, and it's just changing all the time. There's no real answer of who they say you are. And what happens? What happens when you consume yourself with what they say? Is you compromise who God has created you to be? so that you will be who they want you to be. Do you know who they are, those outside voices? What happens is when you consume yourself with what other people are saying about you, when you consume your thoughts and your actions with what other people will think, you will compromise who God has created you to be so that you will do what they want you to do. The, you'll listen to what they say. It reminds me of my junior year of high school. So a few few weeks before my junior year of high school, uh, I, I said yes to following Jesus at South Padre Island in 2007, Rough Life down there, I tell you what. I said yes to Jesus on a beach, praise God, thank you so much, but I said yes to following Jesus right before my junior year of high school, and in that time in my life, uh, some of you may not know this, but I really love baseball. I love baseball so much, it's my favorite sport, I will watch any team uh, I don't even care. I'll buy all the hats. I don't care. I love baseball. Uh, And so in the context of my life as a junior in high school, I said yes to Jesus. But my life was really consumed with sports. And I had to take a real life step back and examine what are things in my life that are distracting me from my walk with the Lord. And I began talking with my student pastor. I was that nerd who like went to the church every day. Like, don't do that. I don't want to see you that much. But I was that guy who annoyed my youth pastor all the time. I went every day to his office and hung out with as many godly guys as I could hang around with. And we began discussing like, hey, what are some things in your life that are distracting you from following Jesus to the fulfillment that you were called to do? And one of those things for me was sports. Baseball, in fact. And so Um, I started talking to my student pastor and uh, some godly men who were speaking wisdom into my life. And they said, you know what? Maybe it might be best to just push the pause button on sports so that you can focus your attention on Jesus. And I was fired up. Yeah! Jesus! Boo sports! Jesus! Let's go! I'm going to do it. I'm going to march into the locker room right now. I'm going to march in my coach's office and be like, well, I'm saved, son. See ya. That's what I was going to do. I promise. And so what I do is I go into the locker room. I'm a junior in high school. Most of my friends weren't saved. They didn't love Jesus or know Jesus. They were just bros. And um, I walk in, and I say, fellas. And I couldn't use, like, Christian language, because they wouldn't understand. Have you ever, like, been in that situation? You try to say something, you're like, you don't understand what I'm saying, because that didn't make any sense to you. So I try to walk in, like, hey, I've got some things in my life I need to work on, guys, okay? Like, I'm in my locker room. Guys, i got some things I need to do in my life. And I just, this is some important stuff i got to focus on, and I think it's time for me to take a break from baseball. And they respond, they're like, no, man, don't do that. Come on, we need you, bro. We need you. Just stay for one more season. One more season. And let me, like, let me tell you, I looked them right in the eyes. And I said, OK, you got it. Done. All right. All right, I'll do it. You convinced me. Whatever. Uh, whatever. OK, I'll do it. I'll play one more season. You got me. And um, uh, flash forward a few weeks. Really, I stopped going to church. I stopped committing myself to kind of this type of space because I was busy all the time, and I was just consumed with sports, consumed with baseball. And then about a month into the season, I got hurt. It wasn't like a serious injury. It was like a toe injury, but it was like hurt. I, like, questioned my entire existence. But really, I got hurt, and I was like, how did I get here? Like, how did I let the opinions of a few friends distract me from what God had called me to do. How did I do that? How did I get to this place? So what's my point? You should all quit sports and come to church and be pastors. That's what I'm saying, okay? Amen? Let's pray it out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't, don't quit your sports. I, I love coming to your sports. Um, but what I am saying is that it is so easy to compromise on what God has called you to do and who God has created you to be so that you can fit in to what they say. Isn't it so interesting that we're so consumed with what people say about us? You ever watch Instagram stories ever? TBH, rate, why do you care what they say about you? It's like, oh, we're so consumed. Ask me a question, I want want to answer your question. Rate me, like what do you think about me? What do you have to say about me? Leave me an emoji and I'll say things about you. Why do we care? Why are we so obsessed with what they say. Why are we so obsessed with what people say about us? Like there are some amazing guys in this room, some amazing godly men who God has created you to do some amazing stuff. But some of y'all hang out with the dumbest people. And they convince you to do all sorts of dumb stuff. Hey, dude, it's cool to talk to your parents like this. Cool to listen to this music. Hey, man, it's cool to say this to that girl. It's cool to DM this to that girl. And suddenly these people, these friends, have made you and convinced you to compromise on who God had called you to be because of what they say. There's some amazing, beautiful, incredible women in this room who God has created you and destined you for some amazing stuff. But there's going to be a punk coming to your life one day. And he's going to try to convince you to compromise on who God has created you to be. All for the sake of love. I love you, baby. He's going to slide into your DMs, try to convince you to compromise on who God has created you and called you to be. I love you, baby. All of y'all are cringing because it's so true. And I want you to know tonight, I want you to know tonight, that you don't have to listen to what they say. Fellas, I'm here to tell you tonight, you don't have to listen to what they say. Ladies, you don't have to listen to what they say. God has created you to do amazing things, but so many of us are so consumed with what they say. And we're not going to build a reputation, I'm here to declare tonight, we're not going to build a reputation based on what they say. How about we build a reputation based on what God says? How about that? How about we build our reputation based on what God says? I love what Jesus says in verse 15. He says, but what about you? What do you say? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but this is what. God said, "This is what the Father has revealed." You see, what Jesus said is that Jesus is the what God said is that Jesus is the Messiah. It's interesting because Jesus considered; he asked, "What do other people? What do they say about me?" But do you know what Jesus actually cared about? What God said? What did God reveal? Jesus knew who he was. He knew he was the Messiah. He knew his identity, and he knew. His purpose in life based on what God says. You see, what they say is all about perception, but what God says is all about purpose. What they say is all about perception, but what God says is all about purpose. You see what happens when our identity is secure in Jesus, when what happens when we believe that neither height nor death nor angels nor demons nor things of higher powers or lower powers or height or death, when all that nothing can separate us from God. When we actually believe that, then we don't have to allow other people's perception of us to define or change or compromise God's purpose for us. When we are rooted in what God says, we don't crumble or compromise who people say. So it no longer matters what people say about you online when you listen to what God says because he says that you are loved and you are cared for and you are a child of God. That is your identity. Who cares what they say? That is what I say. Who cares what they say when you walk into a cafeteria and they're snickering at you? Who cares? God is saying, who cares what they say? I say that you are loved and you are cared for. and You are a child of God and I've destined you and created you to do amazing and incredible things things. You see, when you build your identity, when you build your reputation based on what God says, you're not going to compromise who God has created you to be to do what they want you to do, because you're secure. You know exactly what God says to you. But here's the thing, and I love Christians. I love Christians because they're like, you know what? Don't listen to the haters. Don't listen to them. They're going to say what they want. Who cares what they say your reputation is? Do do Christians do that? Who cares about it? Do they do that? No, I'm getting a lot of shaking heads. Uh, In today's world, all you hear is like, who cares? Like, haters going to hate. Like, blow them off. You do you, boo boo. Like, that's the world. But the reality is, the reality is, though our, our reputation, though our identity, though our security should not be based on what other people think. It still should be considered what other people think about us. Shouldn't have the entire weight of the world on our shoulders if someone didn't like us. But Jesus considers and asks, what do people say about you? See, I want to look at the definition of reputation. I still can't get T. Swift out of my brain. What is wrong with me? Reputation says this. The definition is opinions of someone based on their behaviors, habits, and characteristics. Reputation is the opinion of someone based on their behavior, habits, or characteristics. You see, Jesus had a big following because he had a big reputation. Massive crowds followed Jesus. Why? What was his behavior? What were his characteristics? What were his habits? Like Jesus healed the sick. Give sight to the blind, raising up the dead, feeding literally thousands of people with a couple of fish and some loaves of bread. That was the reputation of Jesus. And it created a big following because he had a big reputation. I'm here to tell you tonight for those of us who follow Jesus, we should also have a big reputation. Now, reputation shouldn't be how many followers you have on Instagram, how many touchdowns you scored last week, what grade you got uh, on your last test, how many friends you have at school, how popular, what table you sit at. Abilene High didn't matter which lunch cafeteria you go to. Like, it didn't matter. Like, that is not what your reputation should be rooted in. We should have a big reputation. Our schools should be different because we walk in them. Our classrooms should be different because we walk in them. Our homes should be different because we live in them. That is the big reputation that we are called to have. No more is it okay to just walk around with your head down. Just got to get to science class. Don't talk to me. I don't want to talk to you. Stop it. Nerd. See you later. Like that's no longer is it okay for that. We are called to have a big reputation that every single room, every single building, every single classroom, every single city, every single person that we interact with will never be the same. That's the big reputation we're called to have because that's who Jesus was. That's the reputation that Jesus had. So my question for you tonight is what's your reputation? If I were to ask someone, hey, what do you think about them? What's their reputation? What would they say? That's a scary thought, isn't it? Jesus says in the Gospel of John that followers of Jesus are called to bear fruit and to prove that they love Jesus. Does your reputation prove that you love Jesus? If someone were to talk about you, would they say that you love Jesus? You want a big reputation, then be like Jesus. Full of peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self control and mercy. Does that sound like you? We are called to have a big reputation that looks like Jesus. Let's pray.